This is Bulls Beat on USF Bulls Unlimited. Each weekday morning, Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Recapping a big win over Howard on this show, along with a full recap of what went on elsewhere this weekend. Soccer, both men's and women's volleyball. Golf got it going as well, so let's jump right into the highlights from the win from football. The Bulls, of course, had a little bit of a struggle at the beginning. They're going to consider if they win the coin toss, refusing and just flipping it back over to the other team because, as you know, last week it was BYU hitting for a 75-yard run. Now the Bulls win the toss, go on offense, which we all agreed with, and Gary Bohannon gets picked off by, by the way, an outstanding player on the other side. Robert Jones III was all over the place. The Bulls came up with the stop themselves on defense. However, after the first, and this is probably the slickest playbook offering as far as upping Mr. Bohannon's passing numbers, Jimmy Horn on the sweep, you pitch it forward to him. It's really a handoff, but it's a pitch, so it goes as a pass, and he gets 29 yards, but the Bulls could not connect, and then all of a sudden they're down. By the score of 7 to nothing, something had to happen, but it didn't in the first quarter. Spencer Schrader had to try a long field goal, came up short with it. But then the defense, which would obviously have a huge game, they bent but then broke the other team's will, I guess is one way you could talk about it, by forcing turnovers. First one, followed by a key play on offense, and then the touchdown. The screen pass, it's caught, and it's going to be a first down. Ball on the ground. Let's see if it's a fumble or not. If it is, I think the Bulls have it at the 40-yard line. They say they do. It came right at the end of the play. It's South Florida football. I think it's Jaden Curry on the recovery. The Bulls dodge a bullet there. Fourth down and four for the Bulls. They are two of four on fourth downs this year. The throw, the catch, first down, it's Sean Atkins. Atkins gets inside the 35, and the Bulls convert the fourth down and keep the football. Sean Atkins is just one of those guys, whether it's in practice or in his limited opportunities in the games, he catches everything that's thrown to him, and that was a clutch, clutch reception by Mr. Atkins. The touchdown maker, Jaron Mangum, is in the game. He's got the ball, and he has got the touchdown. Green lights up. Bulls on the board. Jaron Mangum. Second of the season, 17th of his USF career. So Jaden Curry in the lineup a lot more as a safety as the Bulls were without three guys back there. Christian Williams, Data Evans, and Matthew Hill. So many of the corners were injured. They had to move T.J. Robinson from safety up to corner, and that allowed, of course, you have Mikhail LaPointe back there, but Curry to get plenty of playing time. He had a big game. They also had T-Mac Simpson, the kid from Auburndale, Jalen Stokes, got a lot of action as well, so they had to get it going. I thought the fourth down play was absolutely elemental because we're, again, into the second quarter at this point, and we're thinking this could be really bad if they punt it away here. Don't convert, so Sean Atkins... Safety valve of all safety valves in that situation proved his worth. And remember that a Joe, a Joe was out, so you had other guys starting to step in. You still have Weaver and Horn, but pretty deep at that position. And I said bent, but break the will of the other team. This was an interesting part of the game. The Bulls had tied the score with about 11 minutes to go. Howard didn't care. They went on a long drive that took up seven minutes. They were converting third downs. One time on a third and nine, an absolute pick play by a very 
heads up running back who saw that the Bulls were blitzing, and that allowed them to move the chains. They converted another third down when their quarterback, Quentin Williams, scrambled for eight yards, and so they were at the Bulls' 20 when the next big turnover came, and it didn't take long for the Bulls to cash in this time. Hawthorne takes it, pitches it, it's knocked away, ball is loose on the ground, it's picked up by South Florida, and the Bulls have their second takeaway of this game. They'll have it at the 41-yard line. They tried an end around, the Bulls blew it up, and they come up with the football and the takeaway. Maybe Rashawn Yates, yeah, number six, Rashawn Yates had the recovery. And the Bulls fake the pitch to him, throw it over the middle, it's caught, it's Gunnar Greenwald, and he's got a first down. 16-yard gain for the big tight end. And the Bulls at the 17 with a first down, ready to go again, flaring it out to the right. This one is caught inside the 10. It's close to another first down. Xavier Weaver with his fourth catch. And the Bulls starting to move a little bit now here. First and goal from the seven-yard line. Dollison in motion. Handoff, cutting inside, and this is a touchdown for Michael Dukes. Bulls lead. First USF score for Michael Dukes from seven yards out. And the Bulls lead for the first time tonight. Whoever was on the green light button for when they scored was ready. I mean, when players were stepping over the goal line, those things were flashing. 14-7 to was the score there, and I like what Jeff Scott did. You'll hear his postgame comments in a little bit here, along with some of the individuals from the game. But the Bulls knew, of course, that Howard was going to get it to start the second half. So, first of all, wanted to make sure you didn't let them score. Secondly, if you could score yourself, again, wanting to get that lead up to two scores, knowing how it would start off the third quarter. So the Bulls did call timeout when it was third and five, and yet another conversion. Howard actually had a chance at a long field goal, but the Bulls were able to keep them off the board and keep that lead going into halftime. Third quarter, first penalty of the game on Howard helped out, set them back into a second and 16 situation. Nice quarterback pressure by D.J. Gordon, who you'll hear from. Had a big game with Antonio Greer, another player. I think that could have gone, maybe if, I don't know, they were playing the Florida Gators, but they held out of this one. But the Bulls don't get anything going offensively. However, again, the defense, right when it seems like Howard has some momentum, came up with a big play. Actually, Jaden Curry helped blow up a pitch play and made it third and 13. Then he took the bull by the horns himself, and then it was Jaron Mangum time once again. Four wide receivers running back right side. Now James splits out, so it's five in the pattern. Empty backfield for Quentin Williams. He will throw, and a diving interception by the Bulls at the 25-yard line. Jaden Curry, third turnover by the Bulls' defense, and they've got a first down deep in Howard territory. We'll see if they're going to pound it with Mangum here. They will on first down, and he's got a gap. Runs it to the right side, and he's all the way down inside the 10-yard line. Driven out of bounds near the 5. It'll be a first and goal. Third down and goal on the 1-yard line. Mangum lines up to the left. Tight end comes in motion to the left. They run it up the middle, and Mangum fighting, 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 and he's in. Touchdown. That's 6 for the Bulls. Jaron Mangum, two tonight, 18 for his career, 
And the Bulls have their biggest lead of the evening. You heard Jim say, will they pound it in with Mangum here? Meech Harris, member of the offensive line, which it would appear also, by the way, that Mike Lofton has sort of surpassed Justin Hall as the right guard, had some interesting comments post-game about sometimes that's just the best and most effective way to go. It certainly was in this case 21-7. Thought the game was uh, turning permanently in the Bulls' favor there, but uh, definitely was not as the defense could not come up with the turnover, and Howard, to its credit, went on a quick two-and-a-half play drive, a 28-yard run, and it was 21-14. to And then we had that fourth down play as the key play on the postgame. We do, of course, a lot of highlights, but we also, myself and Jim Lighthall, pick out one non-scoring play that was key. Mine was the fourth down on offense. This was Jim's and certainly was a play that I thought was very, very important. Here comes Betty in motion. They fake to him. Bohannon hit as he throws. Ball is up in the air, and it's picked off. And then a scramble for it. Let's see if the Bulls were able to knock that ball away or not. Bohannon takes a blindside hit. The ball arcs skyward. And we'll see if it's going to go as an interception or if the Bulls Ruling jarred that loose. Ruling on the field is an incomplete pass. Second down. Ian White, a defensive lineman, almost picked it out of the air. And I'm sure they'll look at that one, but the Bulls may have gotten mega lucky on that one. <laughs> A huge break for the Bulls. You know, from our vantage point, you could see that one developing. You almost wanted to scream out to Gary Bohannon. Look out. Look out. Might have been Demontre Jacobs that created that contact and prevented the interception. Again, it was Robert Jones the third, by the way, with the knockaway. But Trey Jacobs, the right tackle, and the play came from his side, but it wasn't his responsibility. The blitzer was not picked up there. Saw the play develop curled back, hooked back about, I don't know, seven yards behind the line of scrimmage he was from where the ball was going to get caught. He was about 10 yards, and he just decided to try and knock it out of the hands of the defensive lineman for Howard and did so. And this is the kind of stuff that you don't catch while you're watching the game or even listening to it, but we are next to the opposing coach's booth, and no, we don't peek over there. But you can definitely hear you know, noises when they're excited. You hear the press box getting pounded, and the Howard coaches were pretty enthusiastic, and they were livid because they thought that it was a fumble, not an interception situation. Of course, the difference being that if it's a fumble, the player on the other side just has to fall on it, doesn't have to catch it. So it would not have mattered if Jacobs knocked the ball out because actually the Howard player ended up falling on it after it hit the ground. So was Bohannon's arm going forward? It was not reviewed, and as the Howard coaches were kind of gesticulating, I figured I might take a closer look at it and you can do so yourself Bohannon's arm was going forward barely so it was an interception it was the right call but boy they would have had all the momentum at that time and instead the Bulls quickly make it a two-score lead again and I mean quickly a face mask penalty helped out the Bulls got into nice comfortable scoring range and took it to the house Bulls leading by seven in the final minute of the third quarter. Hand off, Batty. He's into the secondary. No, it's Michael Dukes, and Dukes will go all the way. Touchdown, USF. Michael Dukes from 28 yards out. That's his second of the night, and the Bulls rebuild the lead in the final minute of the third quarter. Well, Mikey Dukes has really impressed the coaches in fall camp, had some great scrimmages and kind of a crowded backfield with Jaron Mangum and Brian Batty and Kelly Joyner when he was healthy. 
Mikey Dukes has been the forgotten man, but really showed a lot on that play. Some good commentary by Joey Johnston. And by the way, the commentary usually reserved for Sam Barrington. Let you know on the air why he wasn't there. He was getting a humanitarian award in Orlando. He will actually be part of a Green Bay Packers reunion next week. So two games in a row where we had to move guys around. Joey Johnston coming into the booth and Ryan Urquhart doing a great job down on the sidelines. Ryan, who actually was a student at the University of Florida. Probably good timing as far as him being on the sidelines for us this week. And also, by the way, speaking of new members of the team, we have a new engineer up in the booth, Brett Holcomb. He taught him in Gainesville, so it was kind of neat to have those guys all working together. And, of course, it'll be interesting to see how things roll out at Florida. I guess they'll know where everything is. But we'll be actually myself and Jim Lighthall hanging back at our studios at Amelie Arena. And speaking of, more on the radio side here before we get back to the highlights. And in our second segment, you'll hear Jeff Scott and some of the players, along with a recap of the rest of the stuff on the weekend. But there's more radio news this week, along with the Jeff Scott football radio show being live and in person for the first time this Wednesday, planned for it at World of Beer on Fowler Avenue. There's a little bit more to come when it comes to our nice new partners at 102.5 The Bone on the radio side. Remember, you heard that kind of here first. But with the two-touchdown lead, the defense was not only able to continue to tee off but get some new members in there, and the offense had some more big plays. Here's a couple of the fourth-quarter highlights. Williams to throw, pressure coming, and there's the first sack of the night. They dump them inside the 15, and it was a group effort. Jonathan Ross led the way, though, young defensive end. Batiste shifts. He's now behind the quarterback in the pistol. He gets the ball, and Batiste breaks into the secondary, comes down the near sideline, and he outruns everybody. Touchdown, USF, 60 yards. Brian Batiste, Bulls lead by 20. Bohannon to throw, airs it out long. Dallison trying to run under it, and he does. Caught inside the 10-yard line. First and goal, South Florida. O'Marion Dallison has been kind of quiet in the first two games, but he just measured that one and made a really difficult catch. And a great throw by Gary Bohannon. Second and goal, looks like Powell will remain the running back. Powell gets the carry, flags down. Powell is in for the touchdown, but let's see if this play stands up. It did. It was the sixth rushing touchdown of the night for the Bulls. Also thought it was pretty important for Bohannon to get a good feel, and that connection with Dallison was pretty sweet. 17 for 28, 219 yards. And again, 52 of those passing yards were actual run plays to Jimmy Horn. If that was the case, then the running stats would have looked even better. They totaled 205 yards on the ground. Again, it would have been more like 257. Batiste, seven attempts for 105 yards and a score. Jaron Mangum, seven carries for 28 yards and the two scores. And Mikey Dukes, three carries, 34 yards, two touchdowns. Howard did get nearly as many yards offensively as the Bulls, but those turnovers were obviously the big difference. After going six of eight on third downs in the first half, the Bulls got the Bison off the field a lot more. And again, the turnovers, three to one, that first play was the only turnover for the Bulls. Turned out to be a pretty big stat in favor of USF. 42-20, the final score. Coach Scott, along with Batty, Harris, coming up next, and we'll let you know what went on elsewhere this weekend in Bulls Nation when we continue on Bulls Beat. This is Bulls Beat on the Unlimited Unloaded page. Back to the Beat 
Bulls Beat continues with Derek Sharp. Give you a little bit of Coach Scott here. You'll have plenty of chances to hear him this week. We carry the press conferences Tuesday live. That's around 1130. Then again, see him in person. The football radio show with head coach Jeff Scott is the actual name is going to be live from World of Beer on Fowler Avenue Wednesday at 6 o'clock. But here are some initial thoughts from the head coach after the win against Howard. All right. Uh, first of all, uh, great to get a win. You know, really probably the thing that stands out the most about this game is uh, the way our guys responded in the second half. Uh, obviously, uh, I don't know what it is just this time of year. Uh, there's a lot of upsets out there today. You know, all of a sudden to find yourself in a seven-point game at half, and, uh, you know, that was, was going to be a big challenge and, and uh, an opportunity for us to learn a lot about uh, this year's team and how they uh, were going to respond and, you know, if they were going to point fingers and, and separate or whether they are going to come together and uh, really uh, go play at a higher level in the second half. Uh, really challenged them at halftime that at the end of the game is going to ultimately be decided by how we play up front on both sides. Uh, defensive line and offensive line. Uh, I know we had 11 tackles for loss and three sacks. The majority of them were probably in the second half. And then uh, offensively, you know, really able to run the ball there uh, in the second half. So uh, really, you know, just really proud of how our guys uh, responded there in the second half. Uh, offensively, uh, really pleased, six rushing touchdowns. I think it's the first time in a long time there. But really uh, by four different uh, runners. I think uh, Mangum had two, Dukes had two. It was good to see him get out there and make some plays. And then uh, Batie with one. And then the one I'm most uh, happy about is Kwan Powell. You know, that young man got hurt in the first scrimmage uh, a year ago. And uh, really he's had a, almost a year-long recovery to get back. And uh, so for him to be in his first game here at USF and be able to get it in there in the end zone, I think that's something that, uh, you know, he, it'll be, be great for him to build off of that. Uh, also uh, pleased by the complimentary football. I think we had three turnovers on defense. And offensively, we went and uh, scored three touchdowns uh, from those three turnovers. And that's something that we talk about a lot of the time is, you know, complimentary football, uh, defense get the ball back for us, and offense, let's, let's go down and score. And then, really, I think uh, the first defense outside of uh, one touchdown drive they gave up there in the second half, I think they had uh, four or five stops the next four or five drives outside of uh, when, when some of the subs went in. And then uh, offensively, uh, four consecutive touchdown drives there in the second half really is uh, what allowed us to get some separation. Uh, you know, we had a, a good number of injuries going in, uh, four or five starters probably, and several on defense. So it was an opportunity for some other guys to get in there and play. And then uh, as the game went, you know, really, uh, you know, put a lot of subs in, the twos and threes there on defense, uh, you know, for them to, to get out there and, and play. And uh, there'll be a lot of stuff they can learn from, from uh, their experience. And at some point, you just got to get out there and let them play and uh, learn from that. But uh, overall, uh, you know, happy to get the win. Uh, there'll be plenty of stuff to, to clean up anytime early in the year, whether it's a, a win or a loss. There's still a lot of things to fix. Uh, give Coach uh, Larry Scott and the Howard team a, a lot of credit. I thought they played uh, extremely well. You know, watching their first two games this year on, on tape and then watching them today, uh, they, they played very well tonight and, um, and, and gave us a, a big challenge. And then I'm just pleased uh, by the way our guys uh, responded uh, whenever they got challenged there and, and were able to go finish the game. So. Uh, we'll regroup, go back, and uh, watch it on video and take some uh, lessons from that. And then uh, we got to get ready for a big one in uh, Gainesville next Saturday. And even though the Gators struggled and could not score in the second half against Kentucky and lost, you know they are going to be extremely motivated to wipe out the memory of that one. 
and the Bulls will be going up against a very determined and talented bunch. We'll be on the air at 5.30. Plenty of time to get ready for that matchup. Here's a little bit of each of the three men who talked after the game as well, starting off with running back Brian Batte on that 60-yard run and a couple more comments from him. It's a great feeling. I mean, uh, I got that opportunity tonight on one of the outside zone runs. It was uh, hatted up great by the offensive line. Got a great block out there by uh, the wide receiver, Sincere. Uh, and it's just, it's a great feeling being able to use my, uh, my I guess, my best attribute, speed. We in there celebrating. Uh, it's just, that's that's where the fun comes in at, is winning. So uh, we just, we I think we needed this uh, to just remind ourselves that we can still win, you feel me? And it's just, it's been a minute, so we're trying to get back in our groove. Uh, and try to get some more victories throughout the season. We talked about some of the receivers that got into action. How about a shout-out to a guy that didn't make a catch, but Sincere Brown obviously getting some work done on the touchdown. Hey, guy that knows how to block a little bit, Demetrius Meech Harris. When, when you have a lot of players, when you have a, a lot of weapons, you know, you try to get everybody the ball. I mean, you got Weaver, you got J5, you got you got Bat, you got Mango. I mean, I mean, like, the list goes on, so you try to get everybody touch, you try to keep everybody happy. But I feel like each game, I mean, you're going with a game plan, but throughout the game, you have to make adjustments. And if the throws ain't aren't there, and, and if, if they're running in, I mean, if it's six touchdowns out there, we got to go get them. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because he said that they had been trying to do too much in the first game and specifically maybe trying to make sure everyone's happy with their touches. But when, as he just said, the running game is there, stick with it, and the Bulls did. And here's a little bit of DJ Gordon, what the linebacker from Plant City had to say about the Gators. We'll save for later in the week. But the ability to perform like he did, he led the team in tackles with seven, one and a half for loss, but also the other former Minnesota go for Rashad Chaney who's starting to show out in the interior of the D-line. It was good because um, when I entered the portal, I had me and Shot, we always been close. We went to Minnesota 2019 at the same time, and so we always have been close and brothers the whole time we've been there. So it was like when I when I hit the portal and got the offer, and then Rashad did too, I was like, we're going to be together again, bro. Let's get it. Let's eat because we, we the same thing that we thought now, the th- same thing we was thinking at Minnesota. So now we got, a better opp- we got another opportunity to showcase our talent, showcase our skills with a different team. It's been good because I always knew he had that within. Like he, he showed it. He showed that Minnesota. It was just we weren't getting opportunities that we deserve, and so now he's just showcasing what was already within. He's been doing great alongside of Dwayne Boyles. I anticipate Antonio Greer rejoining the group for this week's game in Gainesville. And again, Jeff Scott will be live, not only with the press conference that will carry Tuesday at 11:30, but also on scene, World of Beer Fowler Avenue, on location for the first time, well, since his tenure here. Plan on attending yourself on Wednesday night. I know I'll be there at 6 o'clock. Last handful of minutes here in the show. We'll take you around the rest of the weekend. Friday night was a wild one. The men's soccer team going up against previously undefeated Mercer, which was playing its fifth match to start the season all on the road and had been very, very impressive. Again, a team that won its conference championship last year. And you knew that the Bulls were going to have to score because Mercer had scored in every game. So what happened? Mercer didn't score. But the Bulls finally broke through. And when you've had, you know you have the talent, but no goals in the season, you'll take it any way you can get it. It was definitely a strange one here for USF. Mazafaro, hopeful ball, but four bears there. Now Checho resets, gets it over to Spengler. Could have a long ball in. Rosano is there, and it goes in! I don't think Rosano touched it. No, he's pointing right to Ajmer Spengler, and there's the first goal. It wasn't a shot. It still counts. And it's one to nothing. Of course that's how it was going to happen. I was a little bit mad with myself momentarily because I 
off the top when I saw the reaction of both the person who sent in the non-shot Spengler and of Oscar Rosano. Spengler celebrated, ran to the bench like a goal scorer did. Rosano immediately turned around, pointed at Spengler, and ran towards him as if to say, it's your goal, you scored. But they said it was Oscar Rosano's goal, and that's how it went down in the box score. It all got changed at halftime, but the funny part was after the game. And we'll have this audio for you on tomorrow's show, but it was good stuff. Oscar Rosano said, you know what, I think I got it a little bit with my head, but it didn't change the trajectory of the ball, and he didn't care. He was glad to get on the scoreboard. Man, Mercer almost scored twice in this game. The Bulls definitely needed one more goal, even though they won 2 nothing. Technically, they didn't need it, but it was good to get. They had so many opportunities in the second half as Mercer was a little bit loose defensively. Either the Bulls would blast shots over the goal or the keeper would make a nice save. But this one finally found the back of the net. It was a guy making his first appearance of the season and as a Bull. Eight and a half minutes. Soga chips it up to Sonis. Got a chance to get in here. One-on-one with McMullen, and there's a goal! The one we've been waiting for. And it's... No mistake made, Alex Sonis. Your Bulls goal by number 27, Alex Sonis. And that second goal that we thought would never come does completely on the counterattack. And he actually, I think he nutmegged him. Yep, right through the wickets. And Sonis becomes the third bull from Oslo, Norway to contribute in a big way. In fact, Matthias Hagen, who has been at the right back, did not play in this game. Sergio Paneros Mayorga got that role. We'll talk more about both soccer squads on tomorrow's show. But the win was 2 to nothing. FGCU, by the way, turned around and beat Mercer in Macon yesterday. Mercer was up 2-1, to one, and I think the fact that they had to play Friday night and Sunday afternoon caught up to them because the Eagles were down a man, and Mercer gave up two goals, including one with about a minute to go. But also yesterday, the women's soccer team, well, they got outplayed by a very good Georgia Bulldogs squad, which is now 6-2, and two, outshot the Bulls 14-2, to two. Bulldogs did not have to make a save until two minutes were left, and by that time they had a very comfortable 2-0 lead, and that was the final score. So the women will be 3-4. and four. By the way, the men improved to 1-3-1. and one. Both teams' next match will be a conference match. Bulls are at FAU on Friday night. The women are at Houston on Thursday night. Volleyball will be back at home, and they'll be glad to be because after that great weekend in New York, 3-0 in the Stony Brook Invitational, 0-3 in the UTSA event. Won their first set on Friday against Texas Arlington, and then the Mavericks only committed one error total in the next two sets. They had been averaging about five errors a set. Then the Roadrunners, the host team on Friday night, swept the Bulls. Looked like they were going to bounce back against McNeese State, won the first set, but again, errors. The Cowgirls weren't... McNeese was not committing many. The Bulls were... 31 in that match. There was definitely a positive as C.C. Clawson became the school's all-time digs leader, but I'll slide on over to the corral midweek and talk with Jolene Shepherdson and see what went wrong. I think the opponents were better than the record indicated. Regardless, the Bulls are a little bit disappointed, I'm sure, to be 4-5 and five coming back home. And again, we'll have all the matches this weekend for you on USF Bulls Unlimited. It's strange, last week we had four soccer matches in six days. It was a busy week for live play-by-play. This week, nothing actually until Friday, but then it'll kick back in with two volleyball matches. Then Saturday, I'll be there at the Corral at one for the match against South Dakota. Then we'll have the football game, and then the women's soccer team will be back at home Sunday against Kansas. But again, before that, they'll start off conference play 
at Houston. Also beginning this weekend, the men's and women's golf season. Actually, the men were supposed to start in Wisconsin on Sunday, but weather canceled the first round. Wild seeing the starting lineup without Alvin Bergstrom and Luke Gifford, who have both moved on. If Nino Palmquist, no pressure, can be anything like Alvin, he is a freshman from Sweden, that would be fine. They do have some strong returners, Run Yu Prayong, Shubi Jaglan, Sam Nicholson, and also Jake Peacock, who is a transfer after one year at Western Carolina, was the SOCON freshman of the year last season. Meanwhile, the women are in New Orleans, starting today with 36 holes. As we're taping this, they were off to a good start in a field of 14. Melanie Green, of course, the leader of the squad. Other big returners, Leo Medeiros and Juliana Camargo. Lauren Heinlein is a grad transfer from Kansas. Big pickup. And Elise Vidal, also a huge pickup, a transfer herself from Kennesaw State, who is the A-Sun Conference champion. So a strong group for Erica Brennan and Dalton Stevens' women's team. We'll let you know how they did on tomorrow's show. That's going to wrap up the Monday Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.